Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Warrior Within. Um, well, I have some crazy interesting news. Um, a friend of mine uh, showed me a, basically I guess you'd call it a blog, but it actually is through a group called, uh, what was it going to feedspot.com. And they basically have put this podcast as the top 25 Christian men podcasts of 2020. And I actually made it to number 12. Um, this is such a cool thing. I just want to thank all of you who have been faithfully listening to my stuff and just being a part of it, even if you're just listening. And like I said, you could pray for me, you could pray for this podcast, you could share it with people. I don't care what you do. As a, use it as a resource to other people that you may know that may need to hear something. But the fact that I actually made it on the list, that is just awesome. And I thank God for that. And I thank all you listeners who have faithfully been a part of it. Because it's been really neat. This past month has been a huge, I guess you could say, impact. Um, we went from about 340 people who have listened to my podcast to... I think now I don't know if it's changed today heavily but over a thousand um, I believe a thousand two hundred and thirty seven plays and now my estimated audience went from I think it was probably 16 14 range to now 51 and it's all because of you guys that are listening and you know like I said if you want to do more to help me out a supporter if you are if you're a company and you're looking for someone to sponsor sponsor me i mean i'm looking to make this be a format for me and my wife to be able to live off of this if the lord allows it to go in that direction so that i can start working towards building my church that i want to do out here in colorado so i'm really excited that we're getting noticed. I just hope that I can stay on track and do what God wants me to do when I speak and just be used by him. So anyway, to get back into what we're going to talk about today, um, this is not a real talk. This is our, the regular podcast talk. <laughs> and the one thing that came across my mind, I was talking to a couple of friends um, and one of them started listening to my podcast and has really been connecting like talking to me more about some things that he's been learning in his walk and it reminded me back probably three years ago uh, when I was at my last job we had started a Friday worship service that was supposed to be for young adults unfortunately we tried it for six and a half months and we could not get people to show up it's so hard in a city to get people to show up to things and I had, I had created a series, or I was starting to create a series I was going to use like the Avengers and each of their each of their personalities basically. So Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, you know Bruce Banner, and go through each of the characters, Thor, and kind of talk about basically their mutant gifts slash who they are, what they're known for, and how that relates to people. You know basically how we have similar gifts and how we use them today so today um, I want to talk about Tony Stark basically Tony Stark when I think of him I think of intellect or intelligence so I ended up finding a sermon that is done by an old pastor. His name is Leonard Ravenhill, which I thought was an epic name to have. And he did a series basically called To the Preacher. And one of the, the, the title for the one that I listened to, which if you are part of the Warrior Within Facebook group, it's on there. And I did put it on the Twitter. Uh, so you can actually listen to it if you like but if you want to look it up it's basically called to the preacher the idolatry of intelligence by leonard ravenhill <clears throat> so the idea behind 
this thought process when I was thinking about Tony Stark. Is Tony is known for his intelligence. He's also known for his quick wit, his charming attitude. He's known for being able to create things out of nothing because we know that if you've ever watched the movies or if you actually been in the comics, you know, Tony basically almost dies because his heart gets punctured and he has to figure out how to create a device for himself before he dies or at least the temporary help that he was getting being caught you know captured um wasn't gonna last forever so he created a device that would basically power his heart or take his place of his heart and power his body and that henceforth that's where iron man comes from because the power suit is run by this power heart and it's supposed to be for like a forever device unfortunately the first one wasn't forever but the next one he makes is like a forever device like it has con constant resource um the interesting part about Tony that from a Christian perspective how it kind of connects is that Tony before we you know he was intellectual you know he was a business guy you know he took over his dad's business of weapon making and is filthy rich has everything he can ever want you know the one thing he did not have was family like wife and kids so Pepper, if you all know who she is, she loved him like no other. But he he lived the rich life, you know, going with that girl after girl after girl, even though the one person that really truly loved him was right in front of him. But then tragedy happens when he's captured and all that, you know, all that he goes through from making the heart system to making the first Iron Man suit and stopping bad guys. He kind of has a change. And I thought to myself, that's kind of what happens to us because we are doomed to die. Um, sin, the sin nature that we are, that we receive from birth, basically, uh, leads us to death. And it's an eternal death, separation from God. But then there takes that one moment, that moment where, you know, Tony realized that if he doesn't change, he will die. There's that moment when we realize that we have a savior and if we don't change, we're gonna die. So we ask Jesus to come into our hearts, to change us, to transform us. And then in return, we become followers. And we follow his way of basically guidance from the scriptures, God's word. And we, we spend our time trying to discover who God is and becoming more and more of his adopted child, um, one who follows the truth, who walks in uprightness, who lives a life that's honoring to God. Now with Tony, you know, even though it wasn't through Jesus Christ and he got saved, blah, 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 the idea is that he became a different person after. And that's the one thing you gotta realize when someone accepts Christ, they become a new creature, a new person. Um, they maybe still have their old ways that are still affecting them because sometimes it's not instantaneous change but the fruit that they bear changes and people do change there is a literal change in people it doesn't mean later you don't struggle with other sins or even a sin that's that still kind of haunts you because satan's always looking for chinks in your armor to try to break you and bring you back to the, your old self so the idea is that if we take it from Tony's perspective, he changes, but then he kind of takes his intelligence far beyond his capability. One of, one of his downfalls is his intellect becomes basically his idol. He believes so wholeheartedly that what he knows in his head, his logic, his thinking, is actually more superior than the majority of people. And we see that a lot in the movies and even the comics and we laugh about it. But in truth, if we met someone like that in real life, we probably wouldn't be necessarily laughing if they were saying it to us. Because one of the downfalls I really think in today's culture of Christians especially, and I see a lot in men, and I remember growing up having this this feeling too because even as a teenager I don't know if you guys remember but a lot of times you always felt like you were dismissed because you didn't have the experience or the education 
that someone else had. So therefore, when you spoke up about things or concerns or stuff that was going on, and you had a reasonable idea, you were most of the time dismissed because you didn't have, the, you weren't old enough to have the understanding to be able to deal with things. Sadly, <clears throat> I don't think this mindset has gone away, even as an adult. I think a lot of times, especially the way our culture has changed, with education especially, that you have to have a degree to do a job. And if you don't have a degree, then you're not gonna get the A job. Or back even 30 years ago, if you wanted to become an IT person but didn't have the education, they would train you or send you to school themselves to get you trained for their business. And then they, you dedicate your time. Like they may make a deal, well, we'll pay for the education, but you have to work for us for five years before you can leave. So the idea was that we had the mindset of training people. And I th think it's kind of interesting because this new culture idea is I'm looking for the trained person. And if you don't have what I'm looking for, don't bother because I am not interested in your desire to work for me. I'm interested only if you have the proper education that I need. This is seeping into the church, and it has become very heavy in modern church education. Um, you know, because I don't have a seminary degree, and even my master's is not religious. It's a uh, uh, master's in fine arts, uh, creative writing and media. My bachelor's is Christian ministry, but I've been dealing with, um, I guess you could say, ministry, even though I wasn't paid doing it since I was 21, I'm now 38. I've been a part of youth groups, young adult ministries, and even like a church plant at one point. And then I had my first ministry job and there I was in full-time ministry and I, you know, built the youth group. I eventually helped two people start up the young adult ministry. I even started up a men's like Bible study slash ministry group that met every week. And, and that's interesting because I had a conversation in the Facebook group with one of the members who was talking about how men's ministry is not, sometimes it's once a year. I mean, in my case, the so-called men's ministry we had was twice a month, but it wasn't really focused on men's ministry like it should have. It was very, I don't know, not very fulfilling like it should, like it had its had its good parts to it, but not enough where it actually truly reached deep in men. I think the key thing was, even the, the, the member even said, it's the deepness of ministering to men. Because I think we as men, we hide a lot our feelings, we don't share, we don't, we're afraid to communicate problems with each other because we're afraid of how other people think. And we think, also that we need to solve our problems because that's what men do, which is all basically lies that the enemy wants you to think so that you basically fail. Okay, ultimately the idea is that you'll fail. So the idea is that Tony Stark is similar in this kind of mindset because he believes since he is so super, super intelligent, you know, he has all this money, he can make whatever he needs, that he really doesn't need someone else's approval he doesn't really need to open up to anybody he doesn't need anybody per se which is why at first it was really hard when pepper was showing how much she loved him he didn't notice it for one two when friends would come and try to support him he would push him away um one of my favorite time frames of comic world is the civil war i didn't think the movie did any justice to what the comics really were about. But we were able to see glimpses. If you really want to know more about it, go look for the comic books version because it is so, I mean, there's so much stuff in there. If you were to look at it from my perspective, I look at the comics, I even used the, I think it was the first book. I think it was the first book. I used the first book as part of um, a study system for a youth group. 
Because the idea between Tony and Steve wasn't necessarily a hate between the two, which they, they kind of created in the movies, as much as it was an ideology between the two that were different. Tony was following his intellect and logic. He, he wasn't thinking about the consequences of controlling the controlling factor of giving the government so much power over the mutant population. He was always thinking the positive that could come out of it and never recognizing the consequences of the negative, which also showed up with, you can never remember the robot that he and Ant-Man worked together to build. Um, seeing what happened when that program took measures beyond logic and, or actually I should say, took it to a very logical perspective and just declared all humans are evil. So therefore, if we clean human population, then there wouldn't be any evil. Like that's, that's basically the declaration that was given <laughs> by the robot. So you, you got this concept of seeing how logic can be pushed overboard. Now, from Cap's perspective, um, he saw rights being taken. He saw that we should be taking responsibility for ourselves, which is partially true too. But overall, if you were to go through the whole story, what happens is that both Cap and him, Tony, okay, they got lost in their motives. They got lost in their intellect. They got lost in their pride so heavily that they almost destroyed everybody else around them. So one of the problems that intellectual thinking brings up is you dismiss people that you shouldn't dismiss. That is something that has always bothered me is that you don't respect people because they don't have the intellectual degree that they should have to give such opinions or thoughts or ideologies or philosophies. So that makes them less of a man or it makes them less of a person. You see, that's not the point of having knowledge is not to put down people. Because in scripture, there's a lot of verses that you could find the word wisdom connected into intellectual thinking. Okay, so intellect is like knowledge and knowledge comes from having wisdom. To have wisdom it depends on the source where you get it from. Now, I've, if I were to tell somebody, hey, you want to understand a little bit more what wisdom is, I would always send them to Proverbs. Proverbs is a very good book where people can discover the understanding of what God means about getting wisdom from Him. Okay? There is also something about wisdom. If we go beyond the understanding of what wisdom is meant, wisdom is, is expected knowledge that we take in, okay? And knowledge is using it in action. So there's a quote from a book, it's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It is very boringly slow but very insightful but it says what is wisdom wisdom is the ability to make godly choices in life you archive this goal by applying god's truth to your life so that your choices will indeed be godly you see the catch is god okay we focus on wisdom as knowledge so heavily that we take our eyes off of who God is. Basically, Tony Stark's God was intellect, intelligence, being smart. For us Christians, it can become our idol because we think if we know the Bible, that makes us godly, but that's not how it works. There is, um, there's non-believers. Demons even believe the scriptures. They can tell you scripture verses. There's been atheists who have memorized the scriptures 
not they don't use it for what it's supposed to they use it to go against Christians but that that proves the point just because you have all the knowledge of scripture doesn't make you a godly person it doesn't make you an upright person doesn't make you a follower of Christ <clears throat> it's the application of the knowledge that is the missing piece when we study scripture we forget that when we read scripture and we study it that it's also about how we apply it okay in proverbs 9 10 it talks about the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding okay so fear of the lord and here it's a respectful fear it's not talking about we're supposed to be trembling in our knees in a sense of fear as in getting away from God. It's talking about fear as I respect the power of the Lord and I understand how mighty he is, how great he is, and that the wisdom that he can provide is far more than what I could ever perceive myself. So accepting that he is the pinnacle of wisdom, we are now able to take the knowledge that he offers us through his scriptures to gain understanding of him we will never fully understand him until we get to heaven, but we'll gain an understanding in how we can live. This mindset is kind of put into us quite a bit. Like even Job talks about, and, and to a man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Psalms 111.10 says, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. So it's taking what he has told us how we're supposed to act be or who we're supposed to be in him and we do action with it. In James 3.13 it says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior in or behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So in other words, his fruit and actions should show a gentle understanding of wisdom. I think we forget that we kind of use our intelligence as a weapon instead of using it as a teaching or training tool, which is what we have to be careful, not put ourselves into a situation where we're using our intelligence to make people feel less of themselves, which I've been told before. So I have to, I always have to reflect on that thinking. Another good one is like 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21. It says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of, of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message of message preached to save those who believe. So in our culture, we have a lot of people that will come at us with a lot of philosophy, thinking, wisdom, and try to disprove the scriptures and constantly say, oh, the scriptures contradict itself. Well, it doesn't. Because if you were to take it from a worldly perspective or a not like a human worldly perspective, then yes, everything contradicts. But if you were to take it from the insight of the Holy Spirit's revelation into your heart, and if you were to take it through the historical values and understanding of what's going on during the time when these scriptures were written, you'll have a better understanding how it doesn't contradict itself. Because the Holy Spirit's leading, it's not you trying to figure things out. I think one of the big cases of our intellect is we try to think we have to figure things out. Which then correlates to being connected to the ideal of pride. Pride gets in the way. And we have to be careful because if we allow ourselves to have pride in our knowledge, then we, as if you re, if you listen to the sermon by Raven, Pastor Ravenhill, he even says that today's modern college and seminary creates men. I mean, in time, a lot of men were preachers, men that have small hearts and big heads. And it's interesting because I'm pretty sure the sermon was, I could not find an exact date, but I think it was in 1959. He was talking about that far back in time from today, when today I feel that's the same issue. So that issue that he saw back then is still being registered as today. Like I, I can't get most jobs because I don't have a seminary degree because that makes, makes you a pastor. And last time I checked, it's the gift of the shepherd and preacher, preaching and teaching that makes you a pastor, having that gift that God has given you to do so 
is, is what you need. And if you have training, which I've had training since I was basically in fifth grade, I've been in a Christian school, I have a bachelor's degree. And so far from what I've been hearing from other people who have seminary degrees, I haven't really missed on anything that I would need to have because the problem is it's all about pumping knowledge. And so the knowledge becomes the religion and not the gospel message like it's supposed to be. You know, one of my favorite verses is Colossians 2, 8 plus 10, but we're just going to do 8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Now, I always looked at this as the world's philosophy, but now I'm starting to think, how much of this is also the Christian culture philosophy? Are we creating a culture mindset in our Christian principles and ideals that's more humanistic than it is of Christ? See, Tony Stark believed in his intellect, trusted it with his life. There was in his mind nothing that he could not do with his intellect. The issue today, I think, in some men, is we, we believe our intellect, our superiority as a man, is what makes us a man. I want you to think about that for a moment. How valuable is your intellect right now? Does it really make you more of a man because how intelligent you are. I'm gonna take a few moments, take a break here, and then come back to you. I want you to think about that. You guys, welcome back to the second part of the episode. And we've been talking about basically intellect and how it can become an idol. We've been talking about Tony Stark because we're kind of doing a little bit of a series on the Marvel characters and connecting and how it fits to us as people. And I, last thing I told you guys to think about is how much of your intellect has really become the controller of your life. Because, I mean, that's pride. How much of it has been the detailer of truth for yourself and not the scriptures? one of the things that I've learned over time is where is our focus, our love focus? Do we love ourselves more than we love God? Do we love ourselves more than the world? Do we love God more than the world? Do we love the world more than God? It's a very simple perspective, but it also explains why a lot of people struggle with sin, struggle with understanding God, growing God, um, they become like, I, it's just stuff I've seen when people, especially when I go and I, I was trying to get part of this other church and I saw that there was a men's ministry, but no one was not really someone over. It was actually a few people working over it type of deal. And I wanted to be a part of it. And I was sharing, you know, the thoughts that I've been learning, things I've been finding out. There's books I've been reading. And the one person who was supposedly over it, I did not feel that they wanted me to really be a part of the men's ministry. What I felt was that I was, I had a chance of taking their job, per se, you know, I put that in quotes, their job, and I was more of a threat. That's what I felt more and more as time went, because they never really reached out to me again. They never asked them to be part of any of the ideas or anything like that and just kind of just threw me to the side. So once again, I felt like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Well, I ended up later, we ended up moving back to Colorado. So I never, never got to pursue that further. But then I started thinking about once again, 
lot of people, this, this one person is going to get their seminary degree because in that church, you're not really a pastor unless you get a seminary degree. In the church I was working at before, that's the same concept. They said that, you know, they could see that I'm a pastor, but you don't have a seminary degree. And I still, to this day, I still understand what that has to do with anything because the seminary degree is not gonna teach me how to be a pastor. It's gonna give me knowledge of how to be a pastor, but it's not gonna teach me to be a pastor. It's experiencing being in leadership. It's it's discovering ministry in your church. It's, it's, it's you being in the position, which is why if, if I start my church, my goal is not to send anybody who wants to be a pastor to seminary. I will encourage them to maybe consider asking God if they should go get a bachelor's degree if they don't have one, period, or if they feel God's calling them to go get a master's program, not necessarily seminary, so that they have a degree that they could stand on because if they were to leave the church, unfortunately not every church is going to be like mine, they're going to be focused on what do you have for a degree. So even though I do believe that there's a change coming with the church, so far, I haven't really seen it. I know it's there, but I, don't, I haven't seen it in the job providing options that are out there. There's still very much people asking for you know, special degrees. So the one thing that clicked to me that helped me understand something that I was struggling with my intellect, because I did have a lot of knowledge of scripture, was like in Mark 12, 30, and Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. A lot of times, I think we may do one of the three. But what we don't understand is all three need to be one. Your heart, your soul, and your mind should be collectively seeking out God with the same perspective. Loving someone is not becoming superior. Loving someone is giving of yourself to them. I want that to sink in a little bit. Loving someone is not being over them. Loving someone is giving of yourself to them. I believe a lot of times, even if we're married, we forget that leading our wife is not about controlling them, pushing them to do what we want, um, being superior over them. What we're supposed to be is sacrificial, loving, caring, but leading with courage and understanding, which is why you know the the verses for warrior within is from First Corinthians 16 bring that up real quick. 1 Corinthians 16. You want to get out your Bibles or look it up. And it's 13 and 14. Okay. This and, and different versions do have different ways of writing it slightly, but it's basically simplistic and it's something to memorize. As a man, it will help you to understand what leading is. It says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything love. In the first two episodes, I think it's the second one where I talk about verses. This is the one of the verses. I want you guys to really, really, really get this sinking in. All of you men who may have all the knowledge of the scriptures, may have all the knowledge they have all the philosophy, the theologian thinking, quotes, everything that you have, all that intellect. How are you leading your family? How are you leading your wife? How are you leading as a man in your church? Because you can be a Tony Stark. You can do magical things with your knowledge, but it does not make you a true man just because you have it all. If your fruit, what you're creating, fails, right, and you feel worthless, 
then you have made your intellect your idol. Because it's not about us. It's not about what we can do with our intellect that makes us men. It's not about our intellect that makes us strong. It's what makes us fail when you start thinking that if I have all the knowledge, I have a seminary degree, I have a doctorate, I have all this knowledge, of course I'm a man of God, of course I'm leading my family, of course I'm a pastor, of course I'm a, a leader in my church because I have it all. It does not make you a leader, it does not make you a pastor, it does not make you a man. Having the knowledge isn't is meaningless if they can't see Christ in you. If they can't see the fruit of the Holy Spirit flowing from you, it means nothing if you cannot see God's power through you, cannot see God in you, period, because knowledge is meaningless. Your fruits do not show forth Christ-likeness, the gospel message, grace, and gentleness, love, peace. Don't know what those are. Go look up what is the fruit of the Spirit. You see, this, this, these verses, 13 and 14, says, Be on guard. That means we should be aware. We should be protective. We should be making sure that even in our homes, that evil things are not entering our home. We should be teaching our kids what's right and wrong based on Scripture. We should be teaching our, our family as a whole how to love God and to seek God and to pray and to and to focus on him. We should be able to do that. Be on guard means that you are a gatekeeper, but it also does not mean that your word is final. It should be whatever God says is final. We gotta be careful not to cross the line and become this intellectual Lord over our family. Then it says, stand firm in the faith. That means that you are responsible to make sure that you keep yourself reflected correct, walking upright, and doing what you're supposed to be doing. It is vital for you to stand firm in the faith. Then it says to be courageous. We as humans are not naturally courageous. In fact, we are fearful because we are more afraid of ourselves, of getting hurt, dying. We do fear it. And when bad situations happen, we usually don't go and become Superman and throw ourselves in front of everybody and saving everybody. That's not a natural response to us. Fears are natural response. But it's through sacrificing yourself because you love other people more than yourself, you're willing to sacrifice yourself in courage. One of the things that <clears throat> I love about the word courage is that I've had a couple of quotes that have always kind of stuck with me. And one is from C.S. Lewis, which is huge for me. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. Like courage comes in the moment of testing. So we could choose, it means you could choose to not step forward. Or, and you could choose to step forward. It's a very interesting concept, but very simplistic. And another quote that I actually like actually comes from a show that's on Netflix. If you guys are interested, it's a cartoon called Troll Hunters. And the main character basically states this. So he says that, um, never forget that fear is but the precursor to valor. That to strive and to triumph is the face of fear is what, excuse me, that to strive and triumph in the face of fear is what it means to be a hero. Don't think, become. So it's in that moment of stepping forward, you being willing to step forward, even in the fear, in the moment of fear and becoming courageous in that moment then it says to be strong. Now this understanding of strong is kind of connected to the courage, but it's also connected to your faith, which is also connected in how you guard. Being strong doesn't mean you do it on your own. Being strong is understanding that you are weak. 
and that the only way you can be strong is through the, the courageous push of the Holy Spirit and God himself giving you the strength to be able to endure, step forward, and triumph over evil. But it doesn't ask you to be weak. So in other words, you still have to put work, just like we, if you were in a sports team, just like if you're going to war, you train. To me, when you, I think of strong, I think of training. So we need to be training ourselves to be strong, just like if we're weightlifting. We want to be able to lift 200 pounds, then we have to work ourselves to that point and get into 200 pounds. So understand that strength comes from focusing on God, spending time with his word, praying, being with other believers, finding encouragement with other believers, praying with other believers, spending time with other believers so that they are lifting, encouraging, building up and everything. You doing the same with other people, being a mentor, being a leader, being a part of your church, chasing after God with your whole heart. That's being strong. And then lastly, it says, do everything with love. Men struggle with this because we want to be so strong, we forget to be gentle. And that's the key thing. We need to be gentle if we want to take everything that God has given us, all our knowledge, all that intellect that we have, we got to learn to be gentle with others. That's why we got to be careful how we approach our intellect. We got to be careful how we teach people. We got to be careful how we mentor. Can't assume just because someone doesn't know something that they're dumb. Can't assume people don't know that people know everything because they may not. So we gotta make a balance to make sure that we are training, teaching correctly to see people grow. And the same picture is like planting, okay? You protect the rose. You may stand firm in the logic behind how to grow a rose. You are willing to put yourself out there to make sure the rose is okay. But at the same time, you're gentle, you're loving, water it you may talk to it because that's all part of it but you don't get in his face you don't start yelling screaming at the rose you gotta grow gotta grow it's not how we treat it right you treat it like a delicate flower men need to learn to treat things with a delicate touch men with intellect need to stop ravaging like wolves of their intellect over people and they gotta use their intellect to teach and train. But knowledge, and this is what, <clears throat> something that that came into that, that sermon I was listening to. So, he makes a statement, it's a little bit paraphrased, but he says another one, the biggest tragedy is we are sending men and women to the colleges and seminary to know the word of God that is not going to move the world. In other words, just knowing it is not going to make a change or impact in the world. The question we should be asking is, are they going to college and seminary to know God is the word? You see, it's all about that relationship with God. You could have all this intellect. You could be as smart as Tony Stark and still be absolutely lost which in a lot of ways we got to see Tony get lost. When he couldn't figure out how to save the world, he was lost. Why? Because his intellect was his God, his idol. You see, our intellect means nothing in front of God. He will not sit there and go, oh, you know what, John? You're one of the most intellectual Christians I've ever made in perfect to come in. That's not what he's looking for in us. It means absolutely nothing. Your intellect is all that you have. Because intellect alone can lead us into the desire of the world. Desire of the world brings separation from God. You could have the knowledge, but make sure you have the relationship with God. It means absolutely nothing of intellect. In fact, you become mostly like a Pharisee who knows all the knowledge and understanding of the scriptures and lives by man's methods and ideology, legalism, views, systems, and understanding <coughs> that they forget how to lead because they, are, they fear the Lord. 
They love the Lord so much, they're willing to give everything to the Lord. What's also interesting about the sermon is he mentions near the end, he goes, God's going to bypass organized religion systems before long. I believe that many denominations are breathing their last right now. And he's not wrong. There is a change coming. But it's it's not a, a change for a new perspective of church. It's a change going back to the original perspective of the gospel message. Are you loving God with your whole heart? Are you taking in his word and knowledge so that you can train and build other people and show them who Christ is? Do you know God over his word? Because it's just like a letter. If you love someone, you know, if you guys remember dating your wives or even if you're dating now, if they were to send you a long message of how much they loved you right now and you read it, but you never spend time with them after that, boy do you have that letter memorized you remember every dot every exclamation mark you remember every I love you's that were written in there but you never spend time with them after that is that really a relationship is that really taking the knowledge and using it because that's basically what we're what we do with taking the knowledge and then just living by it instead of chasing after the person behind it. The question you gotta ask yourself is, are you truly chasing after God? Or are you just chasing after the knowledge of God? Because like I said, you get to that moment of failing, your knowledge is gonna be meaningless. But if you have a relationship with God, get the moment of failing God's going to be right there catching you because you have a relationship with him I think that's one of the big difference of intellectual intellectual Pharisee versus King David David didn't allow his intellect to be the justification of his relationship with God it was his chasing after him desiring him, wanting him where the Pharisees focused so much on works that they did look at I'm praying look how godly I am oh I put a hundred dollars in the tithing tray you only put a measly dollar look who's more spiritual that's where it leads to are you like that are you willing to change and this is the moment you have right now to do so how much of the intellect that you have is winning over God's relationship with that you have that you need to have with him how much of the knowledge you have of scripture is controlling your everyday thinking more than actually building a relationship behind the author of the scriptures are you spending time with him or are you just picking up the next theological book that you can read so that you have more knowledge, more quotes. It's always silly to me when I see people use their intellect to show how godly they are, but they came not simply pray with someone who's hurting right there in front of them. Can't put their arm around them and say, God loves you, let's pray. And, I, and I'll keep checking up on you. you can't even take a moment and give true counseling because they don't want to make the effort it's not it's not part of the job per se who even say i wonder I, I just don't understand the holy spirit i don't get it well if that's an important part of our christian walk who could sit there and tell you the greek and latin of every Verse can't give you the understanding of broken heart. What what it means to give of yourself to God. They've never done it themselves. 
This is your moment. Are you willing to let go of your intellect and ask God for a relationship? It doesn't mean you have to stop memorizing. It doesn't mean you have to stop learning. It just means you have to stop allowing your intellect to be your religion with God. Then your relationship with God should be the number one thing. I take this moment to pray over all of you that are listening. Dear Lord, I thank you for everybody who's been a part of this journey so far and their hearts and where they've been and what they're hoping, Lord, and in you. And I, I just pray of anybody who has really just spent a lot of time knowing about you, but never spending time getting to know you. I pray that today would be that moment where they surrender, surrender it all, just give it to you and, and just realize that having the knowledge of you is meaningless if they don't really know you because their fruits don't show it. Their actions don't speak louder than their words. They aren't really leading people. They're, they're treating people as if they're less than them and not even realizing sometimes they may not know, Lord, as you reveal that to them. I pray of anybody who's struggling with even any sins today that they would just be able to let go of them to you, surrender them to you at the cross and be able to say, Lord, I want a true relationship with you. Open my eyes, my heart, and my mind. Let my spirit dance for you and desire you above anything. Help me to chase after you in this moment. Lord, any man who's listening today who is smart and probably even smarter than me, I ask that they actually discover the desire of wanting to know you more than all the intellect that they can have. Ask today that they surrender, give up on chasing after the idolatry of intellect over you versus knowing you. May their hearts be melted by your spirit. Let them discover more about you in a way that they've never known you before, Lord. Reveal yourself to them and allow them to use their intellect to transform others, to build them up, to train others, not put them down or make them feel less. I thank you, Lord, for how you have progressed my life and changed me over time and moved me and allowed me to see that the gospel is simplistic. It's not about philosophies and ideologies and theological thinking and, and, and that. We need to have that so we have a better understanding of your word. But the simple understanding that you are a sinner and Jesus saved you should be the pinnacle of our way of reaching out to others. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a blessed day.